disappointments. We all deal with them. And in life, I think we all have some disappointments we just have to deal with just in general. For example, I kind of came up with, <clears throat> with six of my top disappointments I deal with almost on a regular basis in my life. Number one, you jump into the shower only to realize there's no hot water, right? That's no fun. Or when you step out of the shower, you only realize that you didn't rinse your hair too well and you have shampoo and stuff all through it. No fun at all, right? One of my biggest disappointments in life was, is when I'm driving down the parkway and a song that I love finally comes on the radio. And I, my, my soul is feeling it, my heart's into it, and I just want to bell it out and the DJ just won't stop talking. Right? They just destroy the whole song. Or we lose um, Wi-Fi. The signal goes out again and again and again. Right? Wi-Fi keeps going out. Or I know you're out to dinner at a nice restaurant. You are so hungry. Everything looks great. And you, it's just so yummy. You can't wait to just d dive into the meal. And you bring that fork up. And then there it is. The big, long, black hair. <laughs> yes, meal is done. Forget it. We're going home. Or it's been a long day, and you are tired. It's late at night, and you go upstairs to bed, only to realize that the sheets were stripped earlier in the day, and now you have to make the bed. I'm not going to blame anybody in my household. <laughs> but on a serious note... We all suffer from disappointments from time to time, don't we? You know, maybe it's not achieving your dreams or it's losing someone you love or a relational disconnect in your life. But at times, life can be a serious drag that just beats us around and knocks us down and we have no idea how to deal with it or how to move forward. And as we continue to follow the life of David, we cannot overlook the reality of the disappointments that he had in life I've said it before and I'll say it again. I would not want David's life. We hold him on this high pedestal and he was an amazing person, but I wouldn't want his life because of all the stuff he had to go through and everything he had to deal with. And today, we're going to fly a drone over the life of David. Taking an aerial shot, we are going to focus in on two stories that I feel really reveal the disappointments that he struggled with in his life and some lessons that we can achieve on overcoming the disappointments we face. But the first step in overcoming life disappointments is to identify the focus of your heart. Before we begin the journey, we need to be, be real with where our heart's focus is at. You know, be honest with yourself with this question. What is your heart's focused? Or more, seri or more specifically, in your heart of hearts... Who do you desire to please? Is it you? Is it somebody else? Is it Jesus? In the Old Testament, we see this man, David, and it's without a doubt, he had a heart for God. In the depths of his soul, more than anything else, David desired to honor God. Just look at his words in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 2. Here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. You know, I'll be honest with you. This verse slaps me in the face 
This verse challenged me within the core of my being because here we see the man David sitting within his castle, looking all around at everything he has, and he realizes, I have it pretty good. I have life pretty good. I have the wealth. I have the beautiful home. I have the the top-of-the-line stuff, everything you can imagine. And as he looks around, he recognizes God's living in a mobile home. What I mean by that is this. In that time period, God's dwelling was within the tabernacle. See, going back to Moses, God's dwelling, when he came to this world, he uh, gave the direction for Moses and all the people to build the tabernacle. And whenever they moved from land to land or place to place, they would move the tabernacle. It was God's dwelling place on earth. And last week we talked about the Ark of the Covenant that they brought, that David brought to the city of David. Well, now was dwelling within the Ark, um, I'm sorry, within the tabernacle. And as David looked around, he realized, man, God's out there in a mobile home. I'm in this beautiful castle. Something needs to be done. The temple needs to be built. The real, long, lasting home of God, which is the temple, God's place on earth, needs to be built. And David felt, I need to do that. That's why I'm here. That's my job. I need to build the temple for God because I love him so much. David desired to do something to honor God because it was the God that he served, the God that he desired. It seemed right, but it did not go the way that he expected. And in that moment, I'm sure he had some disappointment in his own heart. You know, the difficult reality is that disappointments have the ability to cause our passion for Jesus to fade, just to kind of drive it all out. It's similar to creating a fire in your backyard. You know, if you've ever developed a fire, what do you need to do? Well, you get all the logs, you gather them all up, you, you stack them into a nice pile. Maybe you're a teepee person or you're a little fort person, whatever it may be, whatever toots your whistle. You put the logs all together, you put the kindling in there, and you light the fire, and you got fire. I love fire. I do. But over time, as you're sitting around the fire, what happens? The flames fade, don't they? The fire begins to burn out. Why is that? Well, in order for the spire to last, more fuel is needed. In order to provide more fuel, you need to bring more wood, more more logs, and throw them into there to keep the fire going. If you do not, the fire will die. And the same is true in our spiritual journey. For too long, too many of us have not been fueling the flames of our spiritual selves and our passions have faded and we are finding ourselves in frustration wondering, why am I here? Why am I frustrated in my faith? And we, want, and we struggle with that, but the reality is we go to church once a week and we think, well, that's going to give enough to sustain my fire and my passion for God. Or we had a spiritual high at one moment in our life and we think that's going to sustain us. Or, or whatever it might be, but the reality is we need to continually provide fuel or else our passion for Jesus, it's going to fade. It's going to fade. It's just the reality. So to keep your passion going, to fuel the flame of your spiritual self, you need to first understand that God is always pursuing you. I know in life it may not always seem that way because life is difficult, life is hard, and there's so many obstacles that we have to deal with and so many hardships and hurts that we have to overcome. But don't let the pain of this world blind you to the reality that God is always pursuing you. He's always pursuing you 
and me. He was from the beginning of time, and he will continue to pursue you till time ends. He is after you because he loves you so deeply. So be real with it. Be real with who you are. And know this, it's okay to hurt. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to be dealing with trials and to have bad days. That is okay. And sadly, too many Christians feel that that is not okay. And so they come to church and try to put up these walls while everything inside is falling apart to try to make the appearance of, I've got it going on. It's all good. No, you don't. Because let's be honest, none of us really got it all going on. We don't got it all figured out. So stop pretending. Be real with it. And take time with Jesus. Not just once a week when you come here. Take time with Jesus on a regular basis. Read the Bible. We have the SOAP plan here at Impact that that helps us to dig deeper and to understand the scripture better and what, what it means for me and that you can grab it at the source or pray. You know, just talk to God. Let him know your heart. Don't try to say all the right words. Just be real with him. Open up yourself to him and surround yourself with others. One of the biggest problems that Christians do is they isolate themselves from the people that they need in their life. Do not isolate yourself. That's why growth groups are so vital. It's why we talk about them so much because we need each other. We need to fuel the flames of our spiritual self so that our passions do not fade. Now going back to David, more than anything, David's dream was to build the temple. It seemed right. It seemed like, God, you're laying this before me. It's what you desire. It's the path you want for me. This is what you want. But it was not the way that David expected. And in this, we need to develop trust in God's plan. We need to. We need to trust that God's plan is better than my plan. God's direction is better than the way that I thought I should go. You know, in the course of my ministry journey, God's really taught me this lesson, and he continues to teach me this lesson to trust his plan and not my plan. You know, going back several years when I was in Bible college, there was a time period when I thought, you know what? I have a passion for missions. I have a passion for the inner city. And I believe with all my heart that I'm going to be overseas somewhere. I'm going to be on the mission field. That's where God's calling me to. And I believe that. And one day while I was working in the inner city and outside Cincinnati, Ohio, I got this letter from this person from this church saying, you know, we're looking for a youth pastor and your name was brought to our attention and we would like you to, to apply. And I'm thinking, no. First of all, I grew up in Pittsburgh. I love it, but I need to spread my wings. It's time to go, right? But to feel the sense of, okay, God, you kind of opened this door, so I need to walk through it, and also to make my parents happy that, hey, I've actually took the time to check this out to come back home near you. You know, I applied, and one thing led to another, and doors began to open. Before you know it, God brought me here to this church as the youth pastor. Fast forward a few more years, and I felt God begin to stir in my heart again. I love this church. I love the kids in the youth group. I love the people. But did you ever have that moment where it's like, God, you're stirring me to something. I don't know what, but you're calling me to something else. 
I don't know what it is, and I need to begin to explore that, or else I will not be satisfied, and I will not be honoring you. And I began to take that journey. I talked with the leadership. They knew everything that was going on, and I just knew, okay, youth ministry is not where God's calling me anymore, and i got to figure out where God's calling me. And I, took a, I had my master's in church planting, and I thought, thought, okay, God, now's the time. You're calling me to go out there and plant a church somewhere. And, and in that time period, my wife and I went to this church planting assessment, one of the coolest experiences of my life. That's a whole story for another time. Awesome journey that weekend with people like, like walking around with clipboards and, and it's like a reality show on, on like a ministry time on steroids. It was really cool. And um, I was a little concerned with the psychologist following me around because I didn't know what they're going to say. But at the end of the weekend, you know, the guy sat us down and said, you have what it takes. We want you, we think that this is the right path for you. You know, you should begin this journey. So let's start putting the pieces together for you to start following this journey. And I thought, okay, God, you put the path here. It's time, you know, you're calling me to plant a church somewhere. And I began to, to go out and connect with different places all around the country of where God might be calling us to and, and starting to put those pieces together. And I always prayed this prayer, God, either open the doors or slam them shut. You know, if it's your direction, fly it open. If it's not, slam the door shut. But I thought with all my heart, this was God's direction. It seemed right. All the pieces were there. But then one by one, every door began to close. Every door began to close. And I'll be honest with you, I was frustrated. It's like, God, you stirred this in my heart. You opened these doors. What's the problem? What is going on? And then this man by the name of Steve Hammer came here. You may have heard of him. He's a pretty awesome guy. And he came, and he knew God was stirring in my heart. And he sat down with me and said, okay, Bill, let's talk about this. What you feel God might calling you to. And in the course of our discussions, you know, it led to, I think God wants that here. I think God wants that here. So why don't we make that happen here? And then one thing led to another, and the doors began to open up in that direction, and now I'm a part of a, of, of a team that's ready to relocate in this crazy adventure of the ice arena. God has amazing plans. And you know what? If I would have gone my direction, I would not have been happy. I would have been frustrated. You know why? Because at that time, it was Bill's plan. It was not God's plan. But when God circled me around and said, here's my plan, it's the most amazing thing. And now you guys have to put up with me. Is that crazy? But, you know, at some point in our journey, like David, we need to find the ability to trust God. Trust God in his leading, in his path, not mine, not yours. But that word trust, that's a difficult word. Because in its most basic sense, trust is the firm belief in the reliability or truth or the strength of someone or something else to come through for you. And my question, do we trust God enough? And a lot of times the answer, if we're honest, is no. I don't trust God enough. That's why we try to develop our own plans, our own path. And oftentimes trust is broken. And we need to understand the elements of trust and where it comes from. Because a lot of times our ability or inability to trust people moving forward or trust relationships move forward is because of situations from our past. Every one of us has a foundation of building blocks in our life. And all of those building blocks in the foundation of who you are 
is developed through the relationships that you've had, through the experiences that you've had. Every one of them, every relationship, every experience you've ever faced has taught you something about trust and all different other characteristics that you developed in your life. And so oftentimes, when you struggle with trusting people, a lot of times it's because there's brokenness within your heart from past relationships or past, rela- or, or past experiences. And in order for you to have the full strength of trust moving forward, healing needs to happen within your heart. It all goes back to the focus of your heart and who you are. And a lot of times we struggle with trusting God not because he let us down. He may have given us a different direction or allowed things to happen in our life, but he never failed us. And oftentimes we fail to trust him, not because he let us down, but if we're honest with ourselves, it's because we're viewing it through the brokenness, broken trust of our past. And we're struggling with seeing God for who he is. That's what David found out. He found the ability to trust God's plan even when it didn't match up with what he thought was the right path, what he thought was, this is the direction. You know, looking back at David, he had that dream. And the dream was to build the temple. It seemed right. It seemed the way God desired, but God had different plans. And through the prophet Nathan, God informed David that he would not be the one to build the temple. You are not the leader I'm calling to do this. You're not the one, but it's going to be your son. It's going to be your son Solomon. And in those moments, when the course of reality is different than your desired path, how do you handle it? How do you respond? Do you throw a fit? Do you withdraw? Is it your way or the highway? You know how David responded? He celebrated. He praised God. Just look at some of his words of praise in, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 21 through 22. It says, For the sake of, the wor- of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and make it known to your servant. How great you are, sovereign Lord. There is none like you, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. Did you see that? In this moment, David found the good, and the good was God. And in that moment, David understood that. He got it. He may not have been the one, but in that moment, he celebrated God for who he was and who he is. And so often in life, we zero in through the scope of our desired target, just like a hunter in the woods. And our target is our desired life our desired outcome, our desired job or house or path or whatever it may be, we zero in on that way. And we get so focused on that plan that when things do not go the way that we desired, and they often do not, we find ourselves broken, beat down, or depressed. And in this moment, like David, we must be able to see the bigger picture. We must be able to see beyond our own selves. We must understand the larger scope of God's plan and who he is. You know, David held this promise. When disappointment arrived, look at his words in Psalm 34. He said, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. When things don't go our way, always know that God is still pursuing us. God is right beside us. And ultimately, what David knew is that God is for you, me, 
and him. He may not always get what he wants because God knows what's best. You know, he may not always take our path, but God has a bigger plan. Yet in it all, God has you on his mind. You on his mind. And in this moment, we need to find the ability to be honest with our expectations. So often, our frustrations are due to our self-perceived expectations. And when things don't go our way, we get mad and we get frustrated. And at some point, we need to find the ability to adjust the expectations of our heart to the heart of God. And with all that said, on some level, disappointments lead to brokenness. And therefore, you need to give God your brokenness. You need to give God your brokenness. You know, going back to our aerial view of David's journey, let's switch to a different story. In 2 Samuel, we see a different disappointment that provides so much more pain in David's life. Our previous encounter with David had to do with unfulfilled dreams. This new experience was all about brokenness, and David's family was completely beat down with strife and discord and brokenness within his own heart. So here's a Cliff Notes version of this family strife. It covers 2 Samuel 13 through 19. And I'll be honest with you, this is a messed up story that probably better belongs on Jerry Springer than within a church. I'm just telling you right now, it's messed up. But understand, this story was in a different time. In the time when men had concubines and multiple wives what that was the cultural norm. But please understand something. Just because this was the cultural norm did not mean that it honored God because it did not. And here we see the brokenness of falling prey to the cultural norm rather than running to the heart of God. And also understand this. This all takes place after David's sin with Bathsheba that we talked about a couple weeks ago. And what we see here is the disintegration of David's family from his poor choices. And things just became, began, uh, began to fall apart. So let's talk about this story that begins in 2 Samuel chapter 13. Here, David's son Amnon had the hots for this lady named Tamar. Now let me tell you something. Tamar was his half-sister. Already getting Jerry Springerish, isn't it? You know, so here he is, his half-sister, same father, David, different mother. And she was a virgin, and the Bible says that she was beautiful, and Amnon did not know how to control his infatuation with her. It was just overwhelming her, him. So he developed a plan to have her come to his house to make him a meal and to bring the meal to his bedroom and feed it to him with her hands. And she did that. And when she came into the bedroom to feed him, the Bible says that Amnon took Tamar and raped her. And in this moment, the Bible says that when David heard about it and heard what happened, he was furious. But we don't see him do anything about it. He didn't take action. And we really don't know why. Some scholars suggest that maybe David didn't take action because he also struggled with sexual sin, and so he felt inadequate to really judge his son. Other scholars say, well, 
it's because of the Jewish law. And because there was no eyewitnesses to this, to this tragedy, that there was no way in Jewish law that they could persecute him or prosecute him. And so, they, so David was kind of had his hands tied and couldn't do anything about it. But either way, David did nothing, which caused Tamar's full brother, Absalom, to burn with anger and to burn with rage. Two years later, Absalom developed a plan, and he murdered his half-brother, Amnon. And from there, Absalom fled and became an outcast from the city of David. And in this moment, we see David, a man completely broken, completely beat down. And I can't even imagine the brokenness that David was feeling. I mean, follow me, rape murder, and now outcasted, David's family was torn apart. And in 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 39, it reveals the struggle in this moment that David had. Look at this. And King David longed to go to Absalom, for he was consoled concerning Amnon's death. In these words, I just see a man that is longing for peace in his home. I see a man that is so broken because of the brokenness within his own home. And if you, you've been there, when brokenness comes into the home, and then it's just this poor choice, then compiled with this poor choice, then piled on by this poor choice, and it just never stops. And David's in that endless cycle. Just let it stop. I don't know how to stop it. And I wonder how many here in this room are so full of disappointment that like David, all you are is longing for peace in your own home. All you're longing for is peace within your own heart. But going back to the story, and fast forward a few more years, David brought Absalom back home. He was trying honestly to take a step in forgiveness. David hoped that restoration might be able to be found, but it did not because it never happened that way. Bitterness, anger, and rage continued to fill Absalom's heart. He would not even talk to his father. He would not even go into his father's presence. And in the course of time, Absalom raised up some men and wealth. And then he took a stand at the city gates. And every time someone came in with a complaint that they wanted to bring to the king, Absalom would tell them, hey, you know what? That king's going to let you down. Wouldn't it be great if the king had a judge like me? And I could really take care of the situation. And one by one by one, Absalom won the heart of the people and, and grew a following. And without a doubt, he was attempting to win everybody's heart to divide the kingdom in his favor. Now fast forward a few more years, and Absalom gained a following of support, and he attempted a coup. And King David was again on, a, on the run, hiding in caves, waiting for someone to destroy him. And David's men in this time period were able to trick Absalom, led him, him to a battle where he was killed. This is one of the most gruesome and crazy deaths in all the Bible, and bizarre deaths, because Absalom had this long, amazing, thick hair. And when he was riding his mule through the thick woods, his hair caught to a branch, stuck there. The mule kept going. He just hung there in a tree. And one of David's, David's men came and killed him, battle over. But in learning of his son's death, the Bible says in 2 Samuel 18, verse 33, the king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. And as he went, he said, oh, my son Absalom, my son, 
my son Absalom. If only I had died instead of you, Absalom, my son, my son. Here is a man completely broken. Here is a man that is in real, deep depression. You know, the Bible says he didn't want to move forward. The Bible just shows a man that isolated himself. You know, depression, my friends, is real. It's real. And I have to believe that in this room, there's several of you who are struggling with real, deep depression. You know, maybe you're feeling sad or discouraged about the future, or you're feeling guilt and loneliness, or you're constantly being irritated by those around you or the world, and you begin to isolate yourself from others. My friends, depression is real. And I believe in this story we see some serious depression happening in David's life. Because in this moment, the Bible describes a man that began to isolate himself. He was done. He didn't want to move forward anymore. He was hopeless. He just wanted to stop. Until one day, one of his trusted advisors told him, you need to get up, David. You need to move forward. And here are some of the most amazing words that shows David's strength in God. In 2 Samuel 19, verse 8, So the king got up and took his seat in the gateway. What does this mean? It means David got back up. David began to move forward. At some point, in the presence of brokenness, we need to find the ability to move forward. We need to be honest with it. And sometimes, maybe if, we're in, if you're in real deep depression, you need help. You need serious professional help, maybe from a counselor, a psychologist, or medication. And that's an okay thing. Please get the help if you're in that situation. Be honest with it. Seek the help. And just if you're struggling with depression, here's some, maybe some helpful uh, uh, ideas to, to move forward as David did. You know, in the morning, which is the most difficult time in the wake of depression, get up, get out of bed with some vigor that you can muster. Don't give yourself time to dwell on the situation. Get dressed, get your shower, get ready to go to the gym or take a walk or whatever it might be. Just get dressed and get ready. Do it quickly. Don't give your chance, a, a self, yourself a chance to talk yourself out of it. Move forward and maybe you'll muster up enough strength to go take a walk or go to the gym. And you know what? Exercise is a great thing to alleviate depression. But even if you can't find the motivation to do anything, don't beat yourself down. If you got ready, that's a good step. Keep moving forward. Don't be hard on yourself because you know what depression does? It whispers bad things in your ear about who you are, about your capabilities, or what other people might be thinking, and so on. Please don't listen to the negativity of those voices in your ear. Use positive thoughts. Build yourself up. Maybe give yourself positive talk in the mirror. It might seem weird, but do it. Encourage yourself. And you know what's one of the key elements? is socialization. Surround yourself with other people. Make appointments. Make standing appointments with a family member, a friend, someone that you are not allowed to cancel on any reason because we need that in our life. And know this, you're not alone. If you're struggling with depression, you are not alone. In fact, there's probably many people in this room who are struggling with it as well. Take the steps. Find the motivation. 
Look what David wrote about in his brokenness in Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Did you hear where David got his strength? It was in the understanding that God sustains us. God is our strength. God is our support system. I'll never forget a few years back, then governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura, said that Christianity is a crutch for the weak. And you know what? Maybe he does have a bit of a point. Because real strength comes in the true recognition of our weakness. Those in this world who continually deny that they have any weaknesses are merely holding on by threads. They're holding on by threads and they're not being honest with themselves because strength comes when we recognize that, you know what? I am nothing without the creator of everything that is because the God of all the universe is my sustainer. He is my rock and I have weaknesses and I need him to be my strength. Absolutely. And when we can take that step and understand that, you'll find strength like David did. You'll understand what he meant when he said, God is my sustainer. And he wants to be your sustainer as well. But as we move on, we need to also find the, ability, find the patience in the presence of pain. The pain is real. And patience is a difficult thing to understand and live by. It's a struggle. But let's look at another psalm. In Psalm 27, David wrote these words. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Patience comes from our confidence and our trust in God. It all circles back to trust. Our ability or inability to trust God gives us the strength to sustain, understand that he sustains us, gives us the patience in the presence of pain, gives us the ability to move forward. Ultimately, David had such supreme trust in the lordship of God and who he was, that God is the controller, that God is the head, that God is the dictator of my life. That word Lord that's used so often in the Bible is a very big word because it's someone, who it's someone who belongs to something. It's a master. It's a controller of that. And so the question is, like David, have we allowed Jesus to be the true Lord of our life, the dictator, the master of who we are? Because then and only then will we truly understand what it means to allow him to sustain us in the midst of our hardships and pain. I'm going to get off my soapbox now, but this is where David found his confidence. And it is in this confidence that he found the patience in the presence of pain. No matter the circumstances, whether it was God revealing a different plan or complete brokenness in his home, David had confidence in God, and each time disappointment came, he got back up and he walked towards God because he knew God is good, and he searched for the good. Through it all, David searched for the good, and ultimately he found something. You know what he found? He found out the truth that God is good.
despite what's going on in this world, despite the brokenness that may be in your home, despite the hurt and the loss of people you love, God is good. And he loves you desperately. He pursues you. Look what David wrote in Psalm 118. He said, the Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. David was saying in the midst of all the brokenness, God did it. He came through. So let us rejoice. What makes you rejoice? What makes you celebrate? Oftentimes, we hold our rejoicing for when the times are going the way we want them to go. And then when they don't go our way, we stop the celebration. But David didn't do that. In the midst of his brokenness, he celebrated God because he knew God is good. And my friends, in the midst of your brokenness, when life doesn't go your way, when disappointment overwhelms you, know that God is good. And my prayer that in that understanding, you will find the ability, just like David, to trust him, to trust him enough to always come through for you because God is good. Let's pray. Most heavenly and gracious Father, I know in this room there's a lot of brokenness. Whether it's in relationships, in job situations, whatever it might be. But Lord God, when disappointment overwhelms us, may we, like David, run towards you. Because you are good. Lord, I pray for each person in this room. I don't know all their stories. I don't know their, their, what makes them laugh. I don't know what's hurting them right now. But you do. And Lord, may they seek you. And may they find the healing that you provide. May they find the reality that you sustain. That you can be our rock. That you will give us strength in the midst of our weakness. Lord, you are good. And we thank you for who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen.